the most successful expansion franchise, I think you might say it's the Miami Marlins, and we're doing a deep dive into them today. Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark, and this is Gordon, and we love talking about baseball. I think it's interesting with the Marlins because, I mean, they came in and had immediate success as an expansion franchise, which I can't really think of any team having as success as fast as they did. Well, yeah, I can think of a team. It'd be the Mets, by the way. But but to your point, the Marlins came in the league in 93 and won a World Series in 97 only four years, years later. later yeah. The Mets took seven years, okay? And the Marlins won another one. And, they, and there was a strike season in right. there as well. And the Marlins won another in one In 2003, right. So they, they obviously won two much faster than the Mets or any other team, to your point, about being the most successful expansion franchise. And, and I think it's interesting because both of those World Series wins kind of just came out of nowhere, it felt like. Well, more so than 97 one the 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 03 one you at least saw the starting pitching evolution at least as an NL East fan over a few years so you could kind of see that team if they got hot like they did could they could put it together for a year and they did it the same way you know with you know having the World Series championship with all these um, high price free agents and then tearing it down immediately the season after that which disturbed a lot of baseball fans including this one that they did that because you like to see good teams sort of sustain that excellence right you'd always like to see the actual World Series champs defend their title the next season and they definitely did not happen the next season for the Marlins because it was basically a different team. But this could, maybe won't be the longest podcast because they've only been around for 31 years. There's only so much you can talk about with Florida. And as a matter of fact, they started as the uh, Florida Marlins um, and, and, and in 1993, and their record as the Florida Marlins um, at a 47.7% winning percentage, so they're not very good, is, is uh, unfortunately better than the Miami Marlins with a .436 winning percentage since they changed their name. So look, we talked about the Rays and said when the Rays went from the Tampa Bay Devil Rays to the Tampa Bay Rays, they got a lot better. So clearly the Marlins chose the wrong name when they right. went from Miami to But it is interesting for, Florida, team, Miami. for an expansion team that has two World Series wins, they also have the fewest world postseason appearances. Right, right, and and they made the playoffs in the crazy, you know, uh, pandemic year, uh, which a lot of people forget about because they think which they had like the a thirty and twenty nine record. Which up until then, they had basically been thinking, well, if we make the postseason, we're locks to win the World Series because we do it every time. And and so one of the things I looked at is I, I, I you know, they always say in, in baseball reference they'll have the winningest manager of all time, which is Don Mattingly. There, fine, but when you look at the managers for the history of, they've had a lot of managers in thirty years. They've had sixteen managers in thirty one years. <laughs> That's a lot of turnover. That's a lot of managers and a lot of guys, you know, I mean, Jim Leland uh, obviously won the World Series. Now, now, wasn't that some of it because they had like a lot of guys like fill in in the same season or did they actually have 16 separate? There were interim managers. Yes. Right. So, no, that, that absolutely uh, the case. Uh, and Jack McKeon came in. And, no, look, Jim Leland came in before Jack McKeon and only managed two seasons and won a world championship. And then he was gone. So that's, you know, just when you look at it's it from far, far away and Jack McKeon, the trader Jack, came from San Diego into, and then at 70 years old in the dugout smoking cigars, uh, leading the Marlins um, when they won their World Series in 2003. So uh, the other guys on there are, are not super memorable names, but I didn't realize that Tony Perez had managed the Marlins at one Probably point. Probably did it for a season. Yeah, if, if it even, actually, he, he only managed for 114 games. He didn't even make it a right, season. Right, right, right. So, uh, and that's like, so a uh, um, guy 
signing Brandon High. We know about him as a manager. Um, he had he managed one game, so he counts on the list of sixteen Marlins. We you know managed. him as a manager. Yeah, yeah. Brandon High, he managed in Baltimore. Oh yeah, you're right. So uh, and 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 I just don't know why the Marlins can't get there act together when it comes to um, you know putting together a winning product on the field year after year. I think they're on the track now, um, and they have the only uh, woman at both GM and the president of baseball operations, In Kim baseball, Ng yeah. and, and, and Carolyn O'Connor, um, and that just impresses the heck out of me, and, and I'm sort of rooting for their success even more so because it's kind of interesting to see two women running the field, uh, running the team, you know, uh, from the front office. And they've had, and as we were saying, they've had a much better season this season. They've had an unbelievable year from Jorge Soler, though it's unfortunate that there's a good chance we won't be seeing him anymore with that injury he just had. Yeah, what a heck of a pickup, and I wouldn't have bet on that. I mean, somebody who said you want so, Jorge Soler, doing, it might not have. this with a year from Jazz Chisholm that has not been as good as you would have hoped for. I told you how much I like that player, right, and I yeah. completely agree with you that his his you know he hits some pretty big so, home runs now, now. it's unfortunate it's interesting that they didn't bring yuri perez back up for september just on the off chance that well if they make the well play- they did bring him back right they oh they did yeah they did uh, bring him back oh okay because yeah, they make the playoffs you'd want him there yeah they that. did bring him back in time to pitch and, and i think they're trying to manage his innings through the end of the year oh yeah uh, uh, which is uh, obviously but smart he needs for, to be on the roster for a young pitcher so we'll, we'll go through and and one of the things about the marlins that i think is really interesting is that you know in, in their in if you look at their history their players by war and we're not going to go through them each one by one the number one marlin by war is giancarlo stanton he hasn't played there in a very long time well i mean and, yeah but that and, makes and, sense because who's been good that's been there since that and so that he was able but he wasn't a marlin for a super long time either right so but he, he only probably needed to have a couple really right, good who are your really long-term marlins that have had there hasn't been anybody that you could really think of that's like been a great player i can and think a long of time marlin well maybe not a great player but i think one of the most favorite marlins of all time and i don't know if you'll mm-hmm. remember this guy jeff conine oh yeah that marlins fans love this guy because he loved being a marlin and all that stuff and i would say that he's probably the most beloved marlin right but the thing is is he was not an elite player for like four seasons like stanton was i don't know that he was ever an elite player right period. exactly Stanton had a couple titanic years for them 59 home runs right he had a 59 home run season for right. him. So, you know, that's that's kind of special. And then that's why he'll be at the top of the, of the list, at least in terms of home runs for that team, because home run hitters Not, don't abound. Right. Uh, and, and, and Miguel Cabrera really didn't become Miggy until he left the Marlins. You know, he was a up-and-coming young player, but he was a true... He had that World Series, though. Right. Where he, he contributed big when they beat the... Um, but then he went. It was I, he became a superstar, I Cleveland. feel like, when he went to Detroit. Yeah, yeah. And, and so the, he left it uh, in Marlins. And Marlins, you know, they have a weird... Things. As a Met fan, right, we talk about no hitters and how they didn't have one until Johan Santana, and then they had to combine one. But in the whole history of the franchise now, we couldn't have said this 10, 11 years ago, they only have, they had none. The Marlins have six no-hitters. In the, that's just in, weird. In one in every 30, five years. 31 years. Uh, Al Leiter, Kevin Brown. So we got some really good pitchers. A.J. Burnett, um, Henderson Alvarez, Edinson Volquez. I mean, that's... Annabelle Sanchez. Annabelle Sanchez, right? Uh, and so these are names that we know. They're not like sometimes you get no hitters from guys like uh, this guy threw. And I remember the guy for the Giants who threw one against the Mets, Chris. Uh, it's not Chris Stratton. Um, he threw a no hitter. Or Henson. Chris yeah. Henson. Well, like he's not even in baseball anymore, but he threw a no hitter against the Mets. That happens a lot where the guy just has a day, right? You know. Um, but the Marlins pitchers were really good pitchers that threw, and, and, and they've had pretty good pitching. That's always been a theme. Uh, with pitching's that team. been a hallmark for that team. I agree. Uh, and and at this 
this point, you know, I think they have some really good young pitching in, in addition to Yuri Perez because Sanchez is a good pitcher. Uh, Sandy Alencontra won the Cy Young last year. He's had a bit of a down year this year, but I got to think he's just he's got arm fatigue from last year. I think that has. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's thrown about a billion innings. Remember throwing right. all the complete games at the end of, uh, of, of last season. And I think the pitch clock is sorting starting to have an effect and maybe it's just because I, I i i want to believe this maybe a little bit you know that that the collective effect of pitching on, on on a faster cadence by the time you get to september could see some weird injuries happen at the well, end yeah, of the year right but alan contra uh, he's been a little up and he's been up and down hasn't had a great season right. certainly compared to last year so yeah i i think we have to see how september plays out before we attribute anything to the the pitch clock here Right, but I, I think you're seeing guys, you know, all of a sudden come up a little lame late in the season. Right, but you you, you don't you just don't know. But you don't know because you'd have to. Look, if, I bet if you looked at last year, guys got hurt in September too, and it, it's just easy to. Attribute I don't know it to that the evidence clock. will ever be able to be right. clear enough no, to be need, able to make you, that you conclusion. Need, you would need to have like ten percent more arm injuries in September over the course of like five seasons for you to start being like, okay, clearly there's a link here. Yeah, yeah, but it would, one year would not prove you, it. You can't, you can't draw conclusions. Um, the, I, I think about the the empty ballpark when you ever watch the Marlins on TV. You know, it always seemed. Remember, and remember before they had they have a uh, a roof on the park now. Yeah. So you know, in the old days, they had to start the games. You know, because it rained like every night in there. They they, they had all kinds of problems with rain out. So they've got this nice you know ballpark but they've only drawn three million fans and that, and that they even did draw a million three million fans amazed me and that was in their first season and they haven't even reached any more than 2.2 other than two old times for the rest of their history i mean even when they've been good this season they haven't really drawn like you know maybe if they get hot and they're on a playoff run late now in september they start getting a lot of people showing up as they make that final playoff push but i think that they just suffer from being in a city where there's better things to do. Well, and a team that doesn't win enough to get the fans really. So like Tampa, you thought, well, that's not a great baseball town. The Rays have been good for a long time. Fans show up. That stadium gets loud when right. they play. Now, they play now that the they've playoffs. had a culture of winning for a bunch of seasons in a row, there is a fan base. And the Marlins, because not only – are they in a town where there's a ton to do, but they've basically stunk most seasons with a 430 winning percentage. Who's going to really get behind? You're not going to root for that team unless you're already a giant baseball fan that happens to be in Miami. And it's the, the the weird Derek Jeter thing, right? So they bring him in there and make him president of baseball operations. I think uh, way, way back when, or, or something like. And, that and so he brings in Kim Ng, which he he knew her from the uh, the the Yankees organization, and then he abruptly leaves and just says the organization is not doesn't have the same vision as as I have. Which, if you're thinking of Derek Vision, his only vision is winning. <laughs> but who knows? That's the thing. Who really knows what went on? They there? wouldn't spend the money on the players you wanted to keep. You don't. You don't know exactly the did reason. He, did he just realize? Wait a second. This is way more involved than I wanted to get. I in. don't really want to be a GM or, really or a baseball be a operation. Guy. I think that's a that, that's a good point to say that. You know what? I don't like this as much as I thought I was going to like this. Right. Oh, I, they they have a different vision for what my role within this organization was going to be. And I'm freaking Derek Jeter, and I don't have to do this if I don't want to. <laughs> exactly. You just don't know. It could be that. It could be that. Yeah. They really just didn't want to spend the money. 
and he didn't want to be on a team that wasn't willing to go pay for free agents or something. So I, I don't there's much I can say. You know, we can talk about a little bit of the Marlin players, you know, on, in the past. But as I told you about when I looked at the war numbers, it seemed like to be a like Hanley Ramirez is on there as a guy who well, he, he was a good, really good player when he played for the Marlins, but he didn't play there long enough to accumulate any significant war. And I mean, you go I mean, through I mean, how, list of how much how much war did Stanton have for the Marlins? Uh, I, I will pull that up and, and just because it gives you it gives, gives you an idea if he's number one right and he's got such a low number or whatever whatever it is then it's really tough to 35 7 35 7 that's, that's actually that's, pretty good that just shows you how big those years were right and that's that shows you how good he was for them so 35 7 is actually a pretty meaningful amount of war to me it's not until you get the guys that have like 10 war and Hanley Ramirez is number two with 26 so that that's just it but and that's then, a steep drop off between one and two and who's third in an all-time war for the, you, don't don't guess Josh Johnson oh the pitcher right 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 that's how you say it oh the pitcher right I knew he pitched and he was a good pitcher yeah for for what's, for, it, what's his war um twenty five point seven wow for his career because he was mostly with them I believe um Luis Castillo not the pitcher Luis Castillo no. the drop the fly ball that lose the Met Yankee game lose Luis it's Castillo still haunts yeah that guy and that, yeah it still haunts <laughs> you're right um and 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 Dontrell Willis now did you watch oh, Dontrell yeah, Willis he trained what a what a fun guy to watch right pitch. he came up like a you know like a flash of lightning but then he like lost his control at some point and was just never the same pitcher yeah you're looking at his career I I was surprised because he only pitched nine years in the big leagues and and I guess I thought he I know he left and he went to detroit and he just he cincinnati once he went bad he went bad at one point and then he just never figured but it he out was again. a dynamic and oh, really yeah. wonderful guy to watch because a lot of fun not to hit against no you know, at the time because he was a pretty tough guy so um yeah I, I i don't think we need to dig any more deeper into the into the marlins past because for the fans of the marlins they know it's these, about this year these guys and it's about this year and making making their own history so do you think they do do you think they manage no. to grab one of those last wild no i don't i just think the law Loss of uh, the loss of Alan Contra probably makes them better off not making it because wouldn't you hate to go into the playoffs and not have that guy oh, like, like stink for them? Because if you had him in Yuri Perez, you'd actually give you're, yourself you're a puncher. He's a little nervous. Right, you'd give yourself a puncher's chance in a in a short series. No, I, I don't think that they will. Um, but if you had to ask me on my super confidence that the Reds or the Diamondbacks are going to do it too, no, they're right there in there. <laughs> I don't know. All those teams could trip and fall. And you have to be thinking as a Marlin fan, if it's not a COVID year and we make the playoffs, probably going to win the World Series. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. Follow us on Twitter at Almost Cooper.